The last few Sundays, as you've noticed, Jeremy and I have really been led to, to share how to prepare our hearts for the coming harvest, how that we can be ready for the coming harvest. And um, so we've really been talking about leaving the days of religion and church behind and throwing up everything that hinders love, everything that is an obstacle to having that reality of Christ in our lives, that we would encounter him wholeheartedly and, and not just get into the traditions of man. And, and so this morning I want to continue along um, in, in that vein. Uh, and I was asking the Lord, what, what do you want to share? How, how do you want to um, say what's on your heart? And um, um, Donna um, Stark came to me yesterday. I was in the prayer room. And she said, hey, I had a dream about you. And um, so I wanted to read the dream to you because I think it's, it's pertinent. And I based the whole message around this dream that I feel like is, is a word from the Lord. Um, all right, so this is the dream. I was in school in English class. Our teacher walked in, uh, which was me, walked in wearing a purple dress. Um, she was wearing glasses and announced to the class that we would be having a spelling test. She asked if we were ready, and we all said yes. All right, now the words for the test, you know when you're getting a spelling test, the teacher always goes number one and calls out a word, right? So here were the words from the test. Number one, gigantic. Number two, harvest. Number three is, and number four, coming. You know, but whenever your teacher is giving you a test, you know that there's something that's going to be required of us in order to pass the test. I feel so strongly that this is a word of the Lord to us because there is a, a great harvest that is upon us and this was the rest of the dream. I tried to write the words on my paper but my pen would not write. I asked other students if I could borrow a pen and paper but their pens would not work either and the paper already had writing all over it and there was no space to write. Other students' pens would not work, and so everybody was getting frustrated. And so I was asking the Lord, what is it that you're trying to say something? Because it's his goodness and his kindness and his mercy that he says, I want you to be prepared for what is coming. I want you to be prepared for this test. Because you're going to pass this test, and I'm going to see, because I'm faithful to finish what I've started in you. But I believe what's happened is that when Jesus came, he laid a foundation. And even in the hour of his original presence on the earth when he came, Jer Jerusalem did not recognize him. The Jews were not prepared even though he had sent John the Baptist ahead of him in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way. They still were not ready and they still did not see him when he was right before them. Jesus. 
And I think what's happened again is that the church, we have become complacent in our readiness because we're like, oh yeah, the harvest is coming. Ah, the latter rain will be greater than the former. Ah, Acts 2, he's going to pour out his spirit on flesh. But he's saying, you have become weary in the waiting and you think that I'm not really coming. When in fact, I have sent the spirit of Elijah is in the land again and the prophets are beginning to say, he is coming. And it's not he is coming. He's like, you are now in the season of the greatest harvest that has ever been seen in the world and will ever be seen in the world. Now, I'm not talking about an Azusa Street outpouring. Praise the Lord. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was so glorious. But, beloved, that is going to look like a drop in the bucket compared to what is coming. I'm talking about one billion souls coming into the kingdom. And he is saying, you are not ready. Because you are not the harvest. You are the laborers. You are the leadership and you are called to lead the people he's about to bring into this into the kingdom. Yes. Now I want you to think about the enormity of this. This church is going to go to 100,000 overnight. Each one of you is going to be responsible for discipling a thousand people. But we don't have, I don't have ink in my pen. And I have too much stuff on my paper so there's not even room for the word of the Lord to burn in my heart. I can't even, we can't even take the test even though we could possibly pass it because we know how to spell. Now, it, again, it's the goodness and kindness of the Lord when he brings a word of correction to the church so that we can get in alignment with what he's doing. Right? So I was asking the Lord, all right, what is the pen? And he showed me Psalm 45, where he said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And I feel like the Lord is saying to us, you don't know how to bind and bridle your tongue, and your tongue has not been sanctified. Therefore, as leadership in the church, when I pour out my glory and I pour out this harvest, will you be able to, to, to manage your words so that you bless and not curse? Yeah, that's right. Or are we going to continue in our current language, even the sarcasm that we've become so accustomed to in our culture because it's on the entertainment and it's so funny to be sarcastic. 
but but the demons don't know that these words that you're cursing or the things that you're saying in sarcasm, which is really just anger's ugly cousin, amen, all right? They don't know. They're going to take those words and they're going to go out and have their way. And we're going to be like, people are going to be dropping dead because we can't control the authority that's been given to us in our words. Wow, that's so good. And so he's saying, your words are not writing. Your words are not writing the words of heaven, but they're writing the words of your own soul life. Wow. <clears throat> You're still looking at your life through the lens of your brokenness. You are not looking at your life through the lens of heaven. Wow. Yes. When Jesus came, and, and he went to John the Baptist, who really for us should be, he, we should research right now. We should study that the life of this man, John the Baptist, because he was the one that prepared the way of the Lord the first time. And he did it with such excellence that Jesus was bragging on him. And he was like, this man was a light. And you all went out to see him. And when they all went out to see him, it wasn't like, oh, hey, let's just get in the car. No, he was in the desert. And it was like, okay, let's pack up the kids and walk to go out and see him. It said that all of Judea, Jerusalem, and everyone around the area of um, the Jordan, all, everybody in that region went out to see him. Why? Because he had the words of life. He had the words of revelation. What did he have? He had the words of heaven. He had learned, and it was his job description, to sanctify his tongue so that his tongue would bring life and not death. Even though he was probably one of the, these words were some of the most cutting when he encountered the Pharisees. Beloved, I'm telling you, this thing is about to hit. And what he's saying to us is that when they come, he is not going to allow us to use this harvest for our own kingdom and to advance our own agenda, to build our own ministry. He's saying this is holy. This is pure. And it's what I've waited for all of the days that I have been speaking this into existence. This is what I have been waiting for since I went to the cross. It is what all of the saints that have gone before us have been waiting for. And they are saying that it is glorious. The ones that have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses, they're in heaven cheering us on. Why? Because they knew that in the hour of the greatest harvest that has ever been seen, that there would be a church that really needed some encouragement. Because they knew the condition at that time would be a condition of lukewarmness. I believe that he is saying to us, you cannot show them religion. I will not allow 
my leadership in the church to teach them about the traditions of man. But he is saying, lead them to me. Bring my sheep into my heart. Bring my children, the ones that I have longed for, the ones that I have cried out for. You have to show them the way to me. And if you show them to yourselves, you are going to be removed out of the picture. I believe it's just like Esther and Mordecai. When, when Esther is in the, the, the house of the king and, and here she is the queen and, and, and there's trouble in the land and, and Haman had planned to annihilate the Jews and Mordecai finds out about it and he says to Esther, he brings her this news and she said, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? And he said to her, what if you have been born and prepared and put in this position for such a time as this? You see, beloved, there is such a time as this that is upon the church. And we have to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear about the day that we are living in. Because now it's the time for the leaders to begin to rise up and take their place on the wall. That means that you cannot do business as usual, church. We cannot continue to just go, went to church, check. Okay, I'm a little bit more religious than everybody else. Went to Thursday night, check. But now is the time for you to back up and say, I've got to look at how I'm living my life and to see if this is in alignment with what God is saying to me in this hour and for this time. This outpouring that's coming is going to change everything. It's going to change everything. It's going to disrupt the status quo. It's going to change governments. It's going to change media. It's going to change the way we do business. It's going to change everything. People all of a sudden are going to be trying to kill us. Because once the glory shows up, there are those that are going to fall down in its presence. And they're going to bow and say, oh... How beautiful are you, Jesus? And then there are those that are going to say, this is, this is heresy. These people, because this is not going to look like what we thought. This is not going to look like what we thought. You thought Azusa Street was weird. Right? The leader, William Seymour. The leader of it had his head in a box the whole time. Stick, he, would, he would come down in the front and he would pray and he would put his head in a box. So weird. You know? But the glory of God is going to have its way. And we've got to get ready for the weird. And we've got to prepare our hearts not to be offended by what we see. <clears throat> Verse 
We're about to partner with angels unlike any other time in history. Matthew 13 says that Jesus will send his angels into the field when the harvest is ripe to, re ripe to remove all stumbling blocks. They will gather all the wheat into his kingdom and the shining ones will come forth. Think about the level of encounter, the level of intimacy, the level of power that you are going to experience. Think about what you're experiencing right now. Now, take that and multiply that exponentially. And think about where you go and what you do and the glory that's going to be on you. Men will be falling down to worship you and you have to say, no, it's not me. Worship him. Lead them to him. <clears throat> we will be healing, prophesying, and discipling. For those of you who are currently not prophesying, those of you that are currently not discipling, I am going to talk to you as a mother right now. If you're not prophesying, you need to start prophesying. How do you learn to prophesy? You prophesy. You prophesy according to your faith. How do you, how do you disciple? Well, you disciple. A lot of you are saying, I want more of the glory. I want more of the power. I want more of the revelation. But you're not willing to step out in the things that God is calling you to do. You're not even, most of you don't, aren't even discipling anybody right now. Everybody should have their 12. Every person in this room, I am looking at the leadership in this city, and every person in this room should be discipling 12. Well, how do I do that? Well, yeah, you start a life group. Because what will happen is the Spirit of the Lord will fall upon you. And the things that have so brought you down and tied you down and worried you about your lives will actually become like nothing because you're actually beginning to walk in a higher level of favor and glory and power. So when you walk in the room where your boss is and you're making the money, all of a sudden what happens? Bam, you're shining. What happened? Well, I was giving my oil away. I was giving the glory away. I was taking care of the sheep that God called me to take care of. How are we going to disciple people when we haven't discipled people? Everybody in this room should be discipling. Raise your hand if you're a leader in the body of Christ. Everybody in this room is a leader in the body of Christ. Everybody should be discipling. Everybody should be prophesying. We've got prophecy rooms on Saturday. It's a great way for you to learn in a place where you don't know the people sitting before you and you just have to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. And you know what? He always shows up. He always shows up. And you're like, dang, I'm good. I heard that. I gave that. Words of knowledge. Who knew? Are y'all okay? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Are any of you stinging yet? So John the Baptist's job description from birth, prepare the way of the Lord. And this was what was prophesied of him. Now, number one, he functioned in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom to the just. Number two, he was a prophet. Number three, he went before the face of Jesus to prepare his ways. Number five, he gave light in darkness. Number six, he guided the feet in the ways of peace. He guided the feet of the children of Israel in the ways of peace. Did you know the number one thing that they talk about in the word, all throughout the word, the number one thing of, of, of being connected to God and the number one promise that God made to the children of Israel 
is that he would save them from their enemies. It's not, not, hey, I'm milk and honey. No, 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 no. It was, I'm going to save you from your enemies. Can you imagine what that would look like? That we would lead people in the way of peace. And we would say to them, this is the way, walk in it. Do as I do until you learn your own path. I mean, I'm looking out at you and I see the shining ones. So the pen in the dream were the words, bridling our tongue, watching our words. The paper that was full of writing turned to Luke 4, oh, 14, 16. Luke 14, 16. <clears throat> in Haggai, uh, in, in Luke 14, 16. In Haggai, where um, it's a great example of where we are right now, because um, the the foundation of the temple had already been laid, and the people had already been called back into the land, just as we are today. Jesus has already laid the temple, and we're already back in the land. Right, we're the children of God. Well, what had happened is that there was a delay. There was a delay. Therefore, the people of God, the children of God, and the Jews went about building their own houses. So what God did is in Haggai is he sent prophets into the land, and the prophets began to speak that it was time to begin to rebuild the temple and be about the Father's house. And he said this, why is it all of you are so busy building your own houses and my house lays in ruins. And he sent the prophets and, and when the word of the prophet came, it stirred them up. And it says it stirred up the remnant, it stirred up the priests, and it stirred up the kings. That word stirred up means that their eyes became to open and all of the sudden they began to see that they had to finish the work the last generation. So I believe that the paper being too full is that reality. And it says here in, um, oh, sorry, I'm not even in Luke. It says here in Luke um, 14, 16, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I asked to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I asked to... Uh, to I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master and the master of the house being angry said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. <clears throat> I believe that the Lord is saying the leadership of my church won't come. They won't come. They won't come to eat at my table because they're, 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 they've grown tired in waiting because they don't really think I'm coming, even though the word of the Lord is in the land. Jesus said over and over and over, blessed is he 
who hears me. Blessed are those eyes that see me. So they know the day of my visitation. I just want to talk practicals for you for a minute. As a community of believers, I don't want to be known as a church that just comes to church on Sundays. But I want to be known in this city as an exceptional church of love. That the community cannot wait to get together and love one another. They can't wait to be together. They can't wait to grow together, to learn together, to encourage one another. And I'm looking at so many leaders. As my eyes just go across this room, I'm looking at so many leaders. But yet we have so few leaders who are saying, I'm going to do a life group. I'm going I'm to give my time. I'm going to feed people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to help people. And the thing about a life group is that if you just pray about it and ask the Lord, he will, and, he, and if he says yes, he's going to make a way where there is no way. You have to step out before the grace comes. He says go, you say yes. You don't say, well, here are all the reasons why I can't. No, he already said go, and you say yes, I'm going to step out in this. Therefore, then he shows up and gives you the strength, the money, the people, the grace, the wisdom, the revelation, the power, the anointing, the fire, the love, the patience to begin to disciple all these people. How will you disciple your thousand if you haven't discipled your twelve? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. This is where we are. The other thing is that we cannot find anyone to help us in the children's church. I spent nine years... Now, I knew that I was, a, I was a preacher. I knew I was a prophet. I spent nine years serving in children's ministry. And then the next three or four years, I spent cleaning a toilet. Which, by the way, uh, uh, Bill Johnson said is the back door to the throne room. No pun. And we need those too. Because, you know, when you're in a family, I don't know about you, but everybody in my family has a job. And when they were building the first church, remember, there were people that waited the tables. And in that place, everybody grows. You grow. There's an anointing that will come upon you. I'm telling you, guys, this is the glory of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> So what I want to do is I want to close. Um, are y'all still feeling good? Do you still like me? Yes. <clears throat> All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and I want you to ask the Lord because the Lord is calling you into a deeper relationship with him. He's calling you into a, a greater time, say time, time. of prayer, of consecrated prayer. He's saying to you, stop 
building your own house, this harvest is upon you and you're about to be run over by it instead of being able to stand in the midst of it. Right? I heard one story um, <clears throat> about the harvest and, and about the stadiums being filled and that there were people um, on the stage and they would there 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 were so many there were so many people in these uh, stadiums and the glory cloud came and just hovered in that place and people were getting healed and people were getting saved and prophecy and delivered and everything well the people that were on stage were not the famous people but it was you and so there was like four people on the stage and they were just and it went 24/7 around the clock so I want you to think about that and and what it's going to take for you to be prepared for me to hand you a baton because I'm not doing this all by myself and, and Jeremy and whoever we are all going to be doing this right we're all going to be uh what's his name with the white hair no not Bob no Jesus <laughs> We're all going to be Jesus. Thank you, Vince. Yeah, we are. The shining ones. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so I just want to pray. I want to pray. Um, Jared, would you come back up? It's time. There's no more time. You know, we're waiting on God. But what if he's saying, I'm waiting on you? The harvest is sitting there waiting. And you guys got to start prophesying. And your papers have to be empty. You have to be a blank slate that the Holy Spirit can write on for now. What was last season was last season. And a lot of you already know that what I'm saying is true. You're like, well, I've been having the harvest dreams. We've all been having the harvest dreams. We've all been having the harvest visions. We're all, the prophets everywhere are talking, 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 talking. Now, 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 now. It's a pretty exciting time. And I thank God that we, we live in this time.